What's up, folks? Welcome to the Disco Posse Podcast. This is Eric Wright, your host for the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Veeam Software. So if you're looking for your data protection needs, look no further than Veeam Software. I've been a longtime user, fan, and a supporter of, of them because of how much they support the IT community. So if you want to find out more, and in fact, you can even just, just pick it up literally right online. You can go to vee.am forward slash disco posse that lets them know where you came from so please do visit vee.am forward slash disco posse uh, go check it out give a shout out to the folks at veeam uh, great team and, and great supporters this episode is also exciting because it's a chance to introduce a new podcaster to the market we're welcoming brian knutson who's somebody who I've had a, a, just a vast amount of respect for in what he does for the IT community. He's just incredibly smart, uh, a great human, uh, and also a great podcaster. So we get a chance to talk about the Cloud Bytes podcast, but much more. How to be a customer-focused uh, person as an architect uh, in sales, how everybody in marketing is actually in sales, how everybody in technology is actually in sales. It's a fun and exciting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, this is Brian Knudsen. I'm a cloud technologist for iLand and a community organizer within the VMware community. And this is the Disco Posse podcast. These are the most fun episodes I get to record because uh, when you've got somebody who's used to being in front of a microphone and somebody who I, un I know has got an incredible understanding of the value of great community and conversation. Today, we've got Brian Knutson here who uh, I'm lucky enough to have known and learned a ton from in the community, both technology-wise, people-wise, how to do great things for other people. Uh, Brian, you have, you've done a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We've got a fun one right now. This is kind of a neat opportunity because we actually get to announce something that's on the time that folks are listening, it's available, which is <laughs> always fun when you record before you publish. Uh, yeah. But you've got a podcast yep. and it is very, very cool. So let's talk about first you, uh, you know, your background, because it'd be important for folks that, that don't already know you, uh, mm -hmm. where we can find you online. And then we're going to talk about the cloud bites. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. I, I really appreciate you having me on to talk about the podcast and many other things too. Um, so like you said, my name is Brian Knutson. Um, I currently work for a company called Island. We're a cloud service provider. Um, and what I do for them is extremely varied. Um, I, I'm finding myself to be kind of a, a bit of a potpourri enthusiast when it comes to my job duties. Uh, lots, of, lots of different things. Um, a lot of it's centered in my um, knowledge of technology and my experience with, with technical companies and how we message things from a marketing perspective, um, kind of the how do, we, how do we talk to customers, how do we talk to the community, um, doing a lot of kind of internal um, process improvement things lately, just 
different things that are going on, um, finding that, you know, it's not just my ability to understand technology. A lot of it comes down to my ability to just be analytical and kind of see problems and solve puzzles. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not quite as out there visible as, as I have been in the past. Um, but from a community perspective, been doing the VMware thing since 2004. Um, started the VMUG in Omaha, Nebraska many years ago. And so I've been kind of tied in with, with the VMware community and you know kind of the, the goings-ons of VMworld. And that's where we actually meet everybody face-to-face -face on a regular basis, at least back in the day before all the user cons and stuff. That's right. um, well, and also back in the day when we were allowed to meet face-to-face. -face. <laughs> uh, there's that too. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I was thinking about the fact that I've been to every VMworld and done VM Underground at VMworld for um, many, many years. I think this year was supposed to have been like year 16 or 17 of VMworlds for me. But yeah, that's not so much happening this year. So, um, you know, trying to trying to do some innovative stuff with VM Underground on, you know, we've been doing a family trivia night in the evenings in the U.S. to try and provide an activity that is both with the people you're with at home, as well as the people you want to hang out with that you're missing out on because you can't go to these events. Um, so, you know, being able to hang out with, with good friends in the community without having to spend time away from my family was, you know, a big, big driver there. Yeah, it's a neat thing because I remember that uh, Stephen Foskett, who folks who know Stephen use the 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 mind uh, behind Tech Field Day, uh, along mm -hmm. with a great team of folks that that do that. He always he said his wife used to ask him all the time, "Why do you like always spend time, you know, on Twitter and stuff like this? Because why don't you have you know like regular real friends?" And he's like, "These are my real friends." Yeah. It's just that we're we're not together all the time, and it's a very non-traditional thing. Uh, how did how did VMware VM Underground come to be? I'm always always loved the idea of of what it was, and it's become probably bigger than you'd ever thought it could have been. Probably more so than yeah. maybe you desired. <laughs> and some sometimes, yeah. Um, well, I don't. I don't take full credit for it. Um, There's a friend of mine, and, and many people in the community may remember Theron Connery, um, who was one of the early members of the VMware community. Um, I think it was like the third or fourth VMworld. It was his second one, I think. And back in that day, the community was all about the the forums. And so he posted up on the forums and. Mind you, this is all pre-Twitter. It seems like forever ago. Um, posted out on the forum, said, hey, I'm getting in a day early. You know, things were kicking off Monday morning. I'm coming in Sunday. Anybody want to hang out and just get to know each other? And so a bunch of people got together. And so the following year, he said the same thing. Hey, let's let's get together. That was a lot of fun last year. And, you know, it's an opportunity for all of us who are relatively new to each other. Let's, let's get to know each other. And that kind of got to that point where it started getting really big. And I think it was that year that people assumed there was some sort of tab that had been opened up. And since he was the last <laughs> oh, man no. standing, he got this, uh, this bill and said, Hey, this is uh, not sustainable as an individual. So he started bringing in sponsors and bringing in some others to help organize it. Um, and I think it was a year or two after that I got involved Um and we, you know, it was him, Sean Clark, and myself were, were kind of running the thing. And 
you know, getting sponsors and it just biggered and biggered every year um, to the point where one year in San Francisco, we were, oh man, I only remember what the number, 1200 people, I think it was or so in one venue at one time. Um, Since then, things have gone down a little bit. Um, You know, people aren't spending as much and going as much to VMworld as they have in the past. Um, But we kind of like the smaller, to your point, it's it's nice when it's smaller because you can actually meet everybody. You can actually talk to people. Um, 1,200 people is me running laps around this big giant environment, just making sure nothing was on fire. And I rarely got a chance to sit and talk to anyone for more than 10 minutes. Um, but nowadays it's it's better because it's not quite as quite as big and hairy. Um, the downside is, is that you know the whole thing was to bring people together as a community, and, and now we're even at VMworld we disperse and have a hard time seeing each other, um, just because there are so many of us and so many other events going on these days. But yeah, that's kind you, of the nutshell. You bring up a lot of good points, and it's you know the the way of communicating with others at the time was through the forums it was through you know it was before v expert was really broadly thought of mm-hmm. it was the beginnings of you know how do we create engagement through this means and it was literally you know one step further than the old school bbs <laughs> systems right yep. this is you know online forums and it was very much we and I say the the royal broad we all had weird problems and yep. we would look to you know VMware or the community to say, hey, got this weird problem. And you'd see this thing. It was basically like Stack Overflow, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. very focused on on a specific product set. And it ended up creating, you know, f- folks who to this day, you know, like I, I know Eric Siebert as you know, you know, EC bird seven, six, two, five, right. Because he still <laughs> carries that thing because that was his forum name. And then that became his username for his blog. So it was even pre blogs, right? Like this is where yeah. the people that came from these forums moved to blogging platforms and said, Hey, why don't I take it one step further and, and write the article? And so it was kind of cool, but then, you know, here we are now where, the bloggers are now podcasters and, and like, we're even seeing the I think John Troyer talks about, you know, is it, is it the death of blogging? Well, it's, I say every year is the death of blogging and the year of VDI, neither of which yeah. is true, but each is exciting <laughs> to talk about every January. I get some people f- fired up a bit, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I've lived through both those waves and yeah, the blogging definitely started to, to take over a lot of the, the knowledge that ended up in the forums um, because that was that was the only place to go, really. I mean, we were all sharing our knowledge there, and it became that was the place you went and you went searched. You didn't search Google; you searched on the forums for VMware information. And then, you know, a bunch of us started blogging, and and that knowledge got deeper, but more distributed. And then Twitter came up and and became the place we hung out on. So now the forums are really highly focused more on the the tech support side of things. Um, you know, the the deep knowledge is in is in the um, the blogosphere, and the the talk, the chatter, the communication, the the friendships are getting built more on Twitter, and so we've kind of distributed everything to different places, and you know now podcasting comes out, and that's a whole different way to consume everything, um, but it's you know the the mode of communication theoretically is better for each of the different pieces, um, but it's just so much harder to find all the information anymore. 
Well, that and that's what I want to want to hit on because now we're talking on a podcast. You've got the Cloud Bytes podcast, which kudos, best podcast name ever. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, can't take credit for that one either. Unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, and also if anybody doesn't detect the amount of humility that comes from Brian, it is, it is incredible, uh, because you, you do much more than you would ever give yourself the credit for. So I will, I will be the one that heaps the credit and praise on you for, for all the things. Cause I know you'll never, you'll never stand up and, and, and trumpet what you do, uh, even though you do some spectacular things. Right. But thank the, you. But the, credit credit goes to where it's there's to go. That's me. true. Yeah. No, no. And that's really. And it is a community. It is a you know. Uh, it it takes a village, as they say, right? And, and we yes. do really truly lean on each other, and and it's uh, you know whether it's through work, outside of work, in the family, in the community, in tech, whatever it is. Yep. Now, definitely, consuming information in podcasts you know, is different, very different because it's a different form factor. And mm-hmm. it's a, I'd say a different outcome that you would expect to get versus like, like I listen to audiobooks versus reading some stuff I can't mm-hmm. because if it's very analytical, if I would need to see it on paper, I've got to get uh, an ebook or, or and I, I still like printed books. I'm weird. I'm old school like that. I like <laughs> to, to get physical books. Um, but I love the opportunity now where you can add you know, context and emotion to the story much different than you could in a blog. Uh, so it's, how did you, how did the cloud bites come together? And, uh, you know, what, what was the story behind that? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the story, and then we can get into to what it is. Um, I've always kind of, you know, as podcasting has become a thing, I've been listening to podcasts and, and audiobooks for most of the last two decades. Um, you know, did a lot of driving. I was um, working as a VAR, so I was doing a lot of driving around to client sites and, you know, in the region nonetheless. So sometimes there's two, three hour drives. And so tons of audiobooks, tons of podcasts, and always really enjoyed that because it was, it's a way for me to continue to engage my brain even while I'm driving. Um, because listening to music just doesn't always cut it for me right. when it comes to that. Um, and so I've always kind of had this desire, I guess, to, to do a podcast and I see some of the cool conversations. And one of the things I found actually doing it is, is exactly what I thought it would be is just like, Hey, it's an excuse for two, three, four of us to get together and talk for for an hour on things that, you know what, these are the same conversations we have in the hallway at VMworld or over dinner when we go to each other's towns, whatnot. Um, so I've always kind of had that desire. There's been a couple times I've gotten close to it, but the advice that I always hear from people who have had podcasts and do them is make sure that you can commit to it and you can start a cadence that you isn't gonna let it slip. And anyone who pays attention to my blog at all knows that I'm not always great at that. <laughs> and so I like I, your honesty. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, life gets in the way and things get busy and, um, you know, sometimes you just don't have the time to commit to it. And as I've been working on doing this now, I realize that it really is a lot of work and what really 
made the difference for me is our CMO at Island came to me one day and said, Hey, I'd like you to start a podcast. Are you interested? I'm like, yeah, I've always had the interest. And so we talked about what it would take and what level of commitment it would take. And she agreed to everything. So I said, okay, let's do it. Um, so it is technically an Island podcast. Um, it, it's, but the conversation really is about the cloud and how clouds are built, how companies like iLand or Amazon Azure VMware talk about cloud, you know, what's, you know, it's a little bit of cutting through the marketing BS in some extent. And really what most of the episodes have really kind of solidified around tend to be customer advice. If you're going to go to the cloud, why should you go to the cloud? What are the things you should be paying attention to? What questions should you be asking? Those types of things. So it's, it's turned into a little bit more of a how-to guide with, with moving to the cloud. Um, but we definitely do talk about what the different types of clouds are. Um, you know, I'm doing a season-based approach to it. So 22 episodes is season one. And every there's two episodes on 11 different topics. And those 11 diff different topics are things like the capabilities of the cloud, the flexibility of the cloud, kind of these attributes that that we internally at island have kind of used to guide us as to you know how flexible are we are we providing the flexibility customers need how does that differentiate us from another cloud provider and helping us to really understand what our products need to do where we should be targeting our products that kind of thing um, so we use those as kind of let's just talk about you know let's take two episodes about 30 minutes each and let's talk about the capabilities of cloud and what's important to customers and so that's, that was kind of the basis of, of what we were, what we we're going to do there. And so I said, you know, let's, I really like watching panel type shows. Um, you know, again, going back to VM underground, we kind of introduced this concept of opening acts a few years ago and it's panel based. Let's just get four or five people up there that, that are really knowledgeable, have some good experience and have them talk about a topic for some amount of time and they feed off of each other and the energy you get is greater than you have with one person talking head or two people even talking back and forth because now you get all sorts of different perspectives. And I love the different perspectives that a panel brings. And so I said, you know, let's, let's take a model of, of like, you know, meet the press where you get, you know, four people that have kind of different points of view. They may not always agree on everything, but at least they're, they're bringing their points of view to the table and discussing it collectively. Um, so let's, let's get three, three people on there. I'll ask three questions, one to each of them, and then allow them to banter back and forth on the topic. And you know, not, the topics don't always go the way I pose the questions. Sometimes we <laughs> go lots of left turns, lots of right turns, occasional U-turn. Um, but the, I think the content's always valuable at the end. I've always just kind of blown away with how awesome the conversation was and, you know, having to cut it off at a certain point to not go to a two hour episode is difficult sometimes to say the least. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing that you, you, you were very measured and very smart about how you approached everything because you, you, you know, you acknowledge up front, Hey, this is a, this is not a free ride. Like there's efforts, there's time, there's stuff involved. And I always sort of joked and, and you and I had chatted uh, offline mm -hmm as uh, they say, uh, <laughs> before we did it, just because, you know, the idea of like, 
Cause I hit the wall at one point where you'll see there's like a big gap for like, yep. like three months. There's like no podcasts. And I was like, man, should I still be doing this? This is crazy. Like this is a lot of work. And, but I was fairly far down the road with it. And then I, what I actually drove me back because I went to iTunes and I looked and there was comments. So like, this is really great. We like that. This is a very conversational thing. It's like you're sitting next to two people in a, by a campfire and, and hanging out. It's like, man, that's exactly what I wanted people to think of. I'm like, dang it. Yeah. I got to fire it back up again. And so <laughs> I, I got back on top of things and I'd actually shifted to originally it was GC on demand was like green circle mm-hmm. was the community from, for my work. And so I said, well, let me just kind of use that and, and feature it. And, you know, it just kind of got forgotten that it was a work thing because it wasn't yeah. really part of that. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to keep going. And then eventually I just rebranded and, and renamed it. And, and here we are. Yeah. But a lot of people have, there's no shortage of podcasts with the first 10 to 15 episodes. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, you got a Dunbar number of 150 and you got a podcast Dunbar number of about 10. That's what I, <laughs> I tell people. Finding 10 people that you can have an interesting conversation with and fit into your day and your schedule and produce it. It's not easy. Like it's not. And so you, you took a a measured approach of, can I commit to it? Secondly, you went down the road of like, let's do this produced. Well, great people panel. It's not easy. Not easy. Right. (laughs) Corralling multiple voices remotely too. Like it's even in person is challenging, but you can get like visual cues. You can, there's certain, ways that an in-person panel is different. Oh yeah. But you do a fantastic job of setting up the conversation, guiding people back to, you know, kind of those callbacks to the questions. And yeah. you're very, very well formed in that you you bring a hypothesis at the beginning. You go across this panel, you get varying opinions and ideas. They're in kind of a Venn diagram of range, obviously, because we're all generally in the same business. So, so we don't, no one's like, that's bullshit. You know, like <laughs> very seldom do people like just go, so that's, I completely disagree. But, yeah. you know, there's enough variance that it's not just like three people saying, yeah, I, I, we violently agree on this. Yeah. And then choosing the episodic approach meant that you could kind of go through, set it up and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm like, so the opposite, just because I, I could never be that, that good at it. So I'm like, let's just wing it. And, and luckily, yeah. you know, and you and I know, it's like, it's when people say like, oh, you know, VM Underground, you guys just kind of pulled that together and it just got bigger. Like, no, there's a, there's a whole boatload of work that goes into making yeah. it look like we just, you just pulled it off. And the same with the podcast. What seems like it's just a conversation that just happened is was in fact very carefully thought of leading up to it and definitely and you got to steer while it's going on right so it's it's pretty cool how's the experience been you know so far (laughs) yeah it's been it's been fantastic um i I definitely over i mean i wanted it to be well edited because i was looking i wanted to be different i wanted to have something special to it um so i definitely didn't want to do a, Hey, let's just go get drinks and record our conversation once a week. Um, cause you know, that to me, that's the other end of the spectrum. You've got kind of a middle ground where it's, you know, we're, we're going to have a fairly controlled, it's going to, we're going to have a specific topic. We'll kind of let it go wherever it's going to go. 
um, but you know we're going to have some control over it. And then there's you know kind of a lot of the NPR type podcasts where they they are more produced. They're very formulaic in some ways. Um, you know, one of my favorite podcasts is on the media, and they're highly highly edited episodes. And you know they do a lot of pulling back the curtain and showing you know, what the conversation was really like and how dysfunctional the conversation may have actually ended up being. But, you know, enough to show that, yeah, we do edit it quite a bit, but we don't change what people are saying. We just do it because there's a lot of, you know, we want people to sound good. And that's, that was my goal is to make sure people sounded good because, you know, we're, we might as well bring out the best in ourselves. And so me, just to pick on myself because I'm horrible at it and I, I hate it editing myself as it is, but I'd start going in there and be like, okay, well, if I cut out all the times I say so, or yeah. um, <laughs> I could easily cut off like five minutes off of this. I, thing. I, I know that unfortunate feeling too well. And <laughs> yeah, anyone who has to listen to themselves recorded or gets up and speaks in front of a crowd on a regular basis starts to realize how much they say it. And it's really so is the new, um, do. right? It's, it's, we, yes. we, we got yelled at never say, um, like, all right then. Yeah, <laughs> so let something different. <laughs> yep. And I would get so carried away with the editing aspect of that, that it would start driving me nuts that if I didn't catch it and then I would have to do it for everyone else. So everyone else came up to that same level of sounding like they actually know how to talk on a regular basis. And so I got to the point where it's like, okay, this is just too much. I, I was completely overwhelmed. And had I been on my own, I would have abandoned ship at that point. Um, so then I ended up having the conversation with my boss and she agreed to, to take some actual funding and put it towards having a professional edit it for us, which, you know, kind of makes me feel good because my time is worth it at that point. But it also means that, man, those things, he cranks those things out super fast and it's, it's high quality work. He doesn't know what we're talking about, but he doesn't need to because he understands what the waveform of people talking looks like. Right. And he knows what a so looks like and he knows what an um looks like and he can whack those out real fast. Um, so it's, it's been a huge improvement to, to the workflow um, and being able to move forward. <laughs> I hate to say it, but one of the silver linings with this whole COVID experience is that people are available. And yeah. <laughs> to your point, trying to get three people lined up is almost made me jump out the window because it was, just insane trying to line up three people that are traveling and, and are busy. And when they're not traveling, they're on calls all the time. And it has been a little bit easier the last month as we're into this COVID situation where people aren't traveling anymore. So it has made it a little bit easier for me to, to nail these. Um, one of the things I like about the season approach is I'm already thinking about, okay, what's as I, as we're recording this, I have two more recordings that should be done by the end of the week. Um, so season one will be completely recorded within a week of this recording if nothing slips. And nice. now I'm starting to think, what does season two look like? And I don't have to do a panel format. I don't have to do, you know, three names most people on Twitter will recognize in the VMware community. It doesn't have to be, you know, the same topics structure that I had. I can do very differently. Um, one of the things I would like to do is to get more of our customers and more customers in the cloud on there and be like, what was your story? I may just do a one-on-one -on -one series of what was your story going to the cloud? What did you learn? What would you like the rest of the world to know when they make the move to the cloud, what to do, what not to do? Um, 
I've got a list of about a dozen. So if I actually follow through on those, I could be going for years on this. Um, we'll see how that goes, but. Well, it's great. And, and, and again, it's like real kudos to your approach because it's, it's beautiful because you can effectively test this for, you know, the panel format, you're like, good. We've, we've, we know how we can run that. If you yeah. need to, you can always go back and you can do one-off things down the road. Like say an event comes up, you're like, all right, let's bring three microphones or, or share a, share a wide band mic and, and let's record a, an, an on the ground conversation. And, and that can go out faster in between it, like kind of interstitial to the, the seasons and the episodic approach. But then yeah, the, the customer story is so important because what you and I know is that folks like you and I were, we started, the reason we are doing what we do is because we were customers building yep. this stuff every day, doing things in, you know, just like everybody else. Yep. And then we ended up working for VARs and vendors and, and changing the way that we, we worked. And all of a sudden we aren't the target audience anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and so one thing I found that's hard is that a lot of people that were bloggers and then they dabbled with podcasting and, and they like doing public speaking. I find, unfortunately, they are getting good at being professionals at that, but they've kind of forgotten how to put the empathy of a real person sitting in the chair, looking at four monitors and screaming. Like that's, yep. that's what you do very well in everything that you do, which is why, you know, how, I'm curious, like yeah. how have you maintained that throughout your career? Cause you've done a ton of different stuff, but you've always yeah. been very good at maintaining the customer voice. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting question. Um, Cause it's one that I do reflect on and try to be conscious of now that I'm, you know, more than a decade away from having been on the customer side. You know, when I, when I left the customer side after you know, about 10 years, I was working for a bar. And so I started off doing kind of both pre-sales and post-sales. We were a fairly small bar at the time. So I was able to do both. As we grew, I was doing more and more post-sales because the joke always was I was so good at selling myself. I didn't have time to sell myself. But yet somehow <laughs> I still managed to find more and more projects to do. And so I was constantly working with customers. And so I made a point of like, hey, I was one, I was one of you a year ago and would sit on their side of the table, so to speak, and, and think about things that way. And my sales reps really enjoyed that as I was you know, supporting multiple sales reps. And so through, through that six-ish years I was working in the VAR, I always kind of tried to maintain that mindset of, I have to think like the customer in this case because I need to give them what they need. And I can still think like them. And I, I use that as a selling tool. I, like I know how to think like you are. I know what you're up against tell me the situation and then I can, I can empathize with that really closely. Um, then I went into technical marketing and, and started to really distance myself from the customers. And that's when things really started getting more difficult. Um, you know, I still maintain strong ties to the user group in Omaha um, on the steering committee with, with that one. So I'm, I'm still in there talking to, to ordinary users that don't have the world perspective that I do that don't, think about the VMware community and, and the people in Germany and Italy and Australia and New Zealand that we all know in the VMware community, they don't know who any of those people are. They don't have that perspective. They just know their one environment with their half dozen ESXi hosts that they need to keep 
up and running and you know maybe they're going to throw some vdi at it type of thing and so i i maintain those contacts and understand what's going on there um i know lots of people that are still in the pre-sales type mode so i try to talk to them as much as possible i've i've aligned very closely with the sas and um both of the kind of vendor side companies i've been at just to hear what they're doing um you know my current role right now it doesn't really benefit me a whole ton to sit in on the weekly SA call, but I still do because that's where I can hear what's happening on the street, what's going on there. I make sure that I'm on the UAT acceptance testing for, for every new thing that we roll out so that I can at least, I can, I can honestly say I've had stick time with this at some point um, and, and be able to really sit there and put myself into that mindset of the user and say, if I'm a user and trying to run an environment, you know, is this a simple way to set up the networking or is this a simple way to set up security and try to give that feedback back and, and be valuable in that as well as helping myself remember how to be there? It's a skill that I, I try to figure how to better impart this on folks. And, and I work a lot with the sales teams and, and every layer of kind of the organization where I'm at. And, and I advise other startups as well. And, and the usual the thing I tell them is like, even when you talk to people, like the simplest possible thing, like don't say when I was talking to a prospect the other day, yep. there's not prospects there. Yep. When I was talking to somebody in the community the other day, and like there's little nuanced things that we like when you bring sales folks, you know, straight out of school and like their business, you know, school or whatever it is. And like you throw them in and, and you, you give them a specific function, but especially with technology, it is such a strangely empathetic sale because you have to know there's a reason, you know, technology is spectacular and amazing. And, but it's because people use it not because mm -hmm. it itself does amazing things. And in fact, the most common thing you find is you sell 800 features in a thing and it gets used for 12 of them. Yep. And so the understanding of why that happens, why it sh continues to happen and will and why it should or shouldn't is, is important. And even like writing, even writing outreach emails, sometimes I'll see like some, you know, good on them, right? Like they're straight out of school. They haven't sat in the desk and received the email before. They don't know what it's like to get like 85 emails because you're an idiot like me and signs up for all these newsletters <laughs> to stay in touch with what's going on in the industry. And I, they'll send me, hey, we're going to see this outreach. You know, how does this look? And I, like one, one fellow is great. And I said, truthfully, it looks like you used an AI to build this in it. You told it that your target was a robot. Like yeah. this is not... There's nothing human about what you just wrote. I said, fire in a couple of exclamation marks, get rid of some commas, yeah. just tell a personal story, like make it sound like you are just calling somebody. When you call your buddy to go out on a Friday night or, or you call your girl up and you say, I want to do this thing. You know, do you say, dearest customer, uh, you know, <laughs> with everything going on in the world and COVID affecting us, uh, you know, how are you dealing with like, no, just say, yeah. hey, uh, like we know you're busy and we know you get a lot going on and whatever, like just make it sound like you actually started a conversation and people will react. And my mm -hmm. favorite thing is if I, I, it's beautiful when I read an email and then I, I, when I'm actually two sentences in before I realize it's just canned and I'm like, damn yep. it, you did it. You magical bastards. You taught, <laughs> you, you made me read it. Like somebody actually wrote this. Like, 
yep. good on you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, outside of your day job, do you ever read press releases? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm in prepara- preparation for a product launch as we speak. I know this and I, I feel bad. And I told uh, the PR team that I'm working with, I'm like, look, I got, I know this is a part of the deal. And I said, but you know that we're writing this for other PR people, right? Not, yep. No, no person sitting in the desk using a product is like, today, company name is proud to announce, you know, X. And like, there's a reason it's formulaic because it's been yep. going on since like, you know, rip a teletype machine and they'd rip it off the top and, you know, yeah, New York, New York, May 1972, you know, it was like something that came <laughs> off, but we still do press releases today. Like that's how the, the same form way. factor is. Yeah. And that's, I use that as, as an example of kind of the, the extreme, think of it, think of it like, like sculpting you know you start off with hey here's the type of here's the type of clay that you need and the proper consistency and stuff and and here's the general shape to put it in and then you spend weeks with 15 different people all molding it into this one thing that is just so utterly perfect and nobody ever wants to touch it type of thing you know you've got the best looking coffee cup ever and it's just so perfectly aligned nobody wants to touch it much less (laughs) use it much less put anything hot in it and on the other end of the spectrum, you end up with the one-to-one communication of a sales rep taking, taking a long-term customer out for a, a game of golf or whatever as a thank you. And, and the conversation is completely different. And in that spectrum of conversation, you know, there's levels that are appropriate. You know, it's appropriate to have that super highly um, refined, you know, we spent, there was one quote from one of our executives at one point in time we massaged and it was literally one sentence long and we spent 45 minutes analyzing every single word (laughs) the relationship between them going back and starting over again because we found one thing at the beginning that didn't fit with the stuff at the end and just over and over and over again meanwhile when i launch an email out to to one of my coworkers, sometimes i reread it once because it's not as meaningful so i don't you spend the same amount of time on it, but at the same time, it's that tone of, you know, I don't want it to be highly refined. You know, the thing I hate the most is when I need to send something personal to a large group of people and it's either put them all on one email together or copy and paste it into 15 different DMS. And I hate doing that. So I try to make it sound personal, but it's like, we're all busy. Everybody will understand the fact that I had to copy and paste this amongst 10 different people because it just would take too much time to rewrite it every single time and try to do a little bit of customization to make it pointed at that person. But yeah, being, being on this side makes you really think about the communications and and what, what we're communicating, how we're communicating it and, and what's really meaningful and, Man, I, I tell people if I ever go back to the customer side and in a management or executive role, I'm going to be the worst customer ever. Because <laughs> you, you know, you know all the tricks, you know all the, all the things that are going on. It's even yeah. like I was so naive when I was a, a systems <laughs> architect. I remember going to a conversation, like we went to see a product, which is actually a, it was a badass product. You could, you could use this product, start it today. You'd get VC funding. It was like that kind of good. And these guys were doing this thing and it actually ended up getting bought by IBM. And then it just, whew, 
withered yeah. away into somewhere inside IBM somewhere. But the point was we sat there for like two hours and we looked at it and we poked, you know, poked holes in it, asked a lot of questions. How do we do this? Mapped it to our business processes. What would we do? And it was like, okay, this is cool. And I'm like, I walked out of the room. I was like, man, we really, we, it was a great interaction. I really see the opportunity for this. Like I can think already about like three immediate use cases. Uh, you know, we shake hands yet, yeah, you know, send over the, uh, send over the quote. We'll take a look. We'll see uh, where we are with things. And we walk out of the room. And by the time we hit the elevator, the executive VP that was with me, I said, this is really cool. I said, how fast do you think we'll get it on board? He goes, no, we're not, we're not going to buy the product or anything. And I was like, <laughs> very much gave the impression leaving that room that you wanted the quote to like proceed. And he's like, it's just the dance we got to do. And I'm like, man. <laughs> I, I mean, something as simple as, you know, reading through an analyst report from, you know, Gartner, Forrester, the like, having been on the other end of that and helping to, you know, educate those analysts, give, give them the information they need, help them understand what we're trying to accomplish and how that affects the market and what we're really hearing from customers. And, you know, they hear slightly different things and, now knowing how to analyze every single word that goes into one of those reports and what, you know, some of the underlying context of certain words can mean, man, I'm, I, I kind of want to go back to the customer side just to really mess with everyone else. Yeah. Just to, just to kind of like tear down the, the, the facade. That's, in, I mean, sadly, that's, that's yeah. what it is. It's part of the deal. And I, so the funny thing is, I kind of came at a lot of this stuff with a little bit of hubris because I was like aggressively chasing what was going on behind the curtain. Once I got, yeah. once I came out of that, I sat in that elevator and I thought, how did I just get, you know, the rope a dope from my own team that they <laughs> just gave to this vendor? And I'm like, both sides probably know that neither of us was going forward. And I'm like, so it, it just kind of put me in this mission. How do I know when that's going on versus, a genuine interaction and then understanding the the depth and length of sales cycles and how the whole thing works. So what I did was I would go around and I started doing analysis. And actually when I worked at one organization, I was doing analysis for the equity research team to feed their research articles that would go out. Cause they'd say, Hey, I see this company, they're doing this thing. And I'm like, Oh, do you, you know about what's coming in 18 months from them? And they're like, Oh, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, I, I, I know the head of engineering. Uh, <laughs> and it was because all these community interactions and I would do this whole thing and kind of unpack for them why, what my view was as the person that's in the desk and, and, and how it evaluate it for sale. And then I realized, yeah, like, so I, I overread everything. And the, so when I would go out and I would go to an event, sometimes I would go and it would say like analyst on the badge. And somebody asked yeah. me one time, like, How'd you become an analyst? I said, I said I was one, yeah. <laughs> but we know folks like Justin Warren. We know, I know a ton of people that are at Gartner and, and Forrester and IDC and they're fin fantastic people and they do mm -hmm. difficult work. It's, it's to be respected and understood in both of those things together. Yeah. Respect the effort that goes into it and understand the limitations of what they can do with the words that they say. It's yeah. a careful, depiction uh it's like describing the mona lisa without endorsing it nor yeah. with you know like it's 
if you actually did a press release for the Mona Lisa and then did an analyst report on it relative to Gauguin and to uh, other, you know, famous artists would be like, you'd realize how awful our poor industry is. Yeah. Well, and, and everything that people assume what's going on behind the curtain of, you know, one hand washing the other situation does occur to greater extents in some places than others. You know, sometimes some groups are pay to play. Some groups truly just want to understand so they can help their customers the best. Um, you know, you never want to piss any analyst off as a vendor and vice versa, but you have a little bit more, more flexibility to do that when you're the analyst, because at some level they need you more than you need them. And it's, it's incestuous and it's weird and it's, it, it's infuriating for people like us to just want to talk brass tacks and, you know, we can compare these things. Why do we have to jump through all these hoops and, and deal with all this weirdness? And, you know, in the end it, it provides something valuable, but you just got to understand how to parse it properly to, to get the true value that, that is in there and, and the hard work that went into it. Now it definitely, like you said, if we could go back and do it ourselves, you ha you have a different lens that you apply to it. How much, does this influence when you kind of when you coach somebody that's coming up in the industry you know how when do we pull the curtain back you know how much do we overexpose them early or do you do you let folks kind of like hey look i found that some of this out the hard way you got to let them let them trip a couple of times i'm always curious as you like talk with maybe whether it's family members community members you know there's people you meet in the industry what's the how how much do you just say look this is all it's all fake, yeah. fake news, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's tough because it kind of depends on who it is and what relationship you have with them. I mean, that's not to say I'm going to lie to somebody I want to sell to versus somebody that's never going to buy from me. Um, but, you know, I don't necessarily want to tip the hand of the sales rep that I'm in there with either. Um, so it's, it's really tough, I guess. Um, I tend to be more open and honest than maybe I should be sometimes. Um, so things like that I do, you know, I guess there, there's a, a buddy of mine that I've had through many years in the, in the Omaha VMware community who is, is dancing with Island right now and has been for a while, just they're, they're in a healthcare vertical. So it's weird when it comes to funding for them. And you know, I, I, I give them bits of information. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're trying to say this and that the other thing. And it's, revealing the curtain enough so that they don't get, get hosed and we don't get hosed either. So it's, I guess the way I would put it is it's, it's kind of what's going to help grease the wheels for everybody's advantage. Um, you know, it's sometimes similar, but different when it comes to, you know, promoting somebody for a, for an open rec at a company, you know, you have an open position, you know, maybe two or three people that would be good for it. And you try to, stay, you know, take a step back, you know, give your honest opinion of the person and step back and say, I'll stay out of this. You make your own decision type of thing. Yeah. Which is in, in the end, we've, we've realized that is the, like, I'm not going to say negative things. I will only say that I, they're a good person. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you, you don't want to, you don't want to endorse them in negatively endorse them. Right. Yeah. Nor do you want to endorse them. So, but there's the, the bit of a wink of like, 
I yeah. get you, Brian. I get you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and even on the other side, you know, if it's a best friend that I've never worked with before, you know, there's, there's people like you and I know each other real well, but we've never actually worked together. We've never actually interacted on anything other than two dudes sitting down having a great conversation with a lot of similar points of view. Right. But you know, if you were coming into Island for some reason and, and doing the interview process, I'd be like, yeah, I've known Eric for many years. He's a great guy. I love hanging out with him. Love talking with him. Super wicked smart. I don't know what his work ethic's like. I don't know what he, you know, how, how he does those things. So evaluate those things. But I'll tell you, you won't regret having him in the company as a individual, as a part of the team. And, you know, you, it's a little bit of hedging bets. It's a little bit of um, not, not trying to make the decision for other people, I think is a lot of it for me. It's like you, you know, this person's not reporting to me you need to make the decision for yourself. Right. And I don't want anything necessarily to come back to me that I try to push you into it. And I, I try to think of it that way with when, when I'm talking to IT practitioners, those, those people that are in the, in the trenches doing the hard work, when it comes to particularly technologies that I'm promoting, you know, as, as an SA or as, as somebody that is an interest in the technology, is, you know, this is a great technology, you can do these things, you know, here's, here's some of the limitations, here's, you know, some things to look at and some ways to think about it while you're looking at it um, and understand what's going on there. Now, if I'm coming in completely impartial and somebody's like, hey, Brian, we're trying to decide between these two new technologies, have you ever heard of them? Well, I know a little bit about them and we can talk the technical piece, but here are the things to really look for. Here's the ways to push sales reps to see, if they're on good footing or if they're kind of ahead of their skis or, you know, if, if they're just trying to, to get you to close without even really caring about what you're, what, what you need. Yeah. Ask them when their fiscal and quarter year end, you know, the yeah. when's their quarter end, when's their fiscal end. You, you can detect the urgency of the sale based on yep. certain compelling events. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. And, and those things sometimes work both directions. I mean, if, if you feel like you're being rushed, find out when their fiscal quarter ends. And that may be why you feel rushed. But at the same time, if you're a month away from their end of fiscal year and they're not rushing yet, eh, maybe it's worth to postpone a little bit and see how much they're willing to push on themselves yeah. to get you to close the deal. And yeah, bring so, them up to the line a little bit further. And, yeah. Uh, Let them it's feel a careful the dance, right? And, and I think so the thing that I really pull out of everything that you've even described through conversations, the way you approach your, your role, the way you approach community, it's very ethics driven. And it's, there's a, a beauty in the ability to be partially impartial, right? To yeah. have an understanding of what's there but to be able to kind of set up as what the like lawyers talk about the Chinese wall, right? I know more than I'm supposed, than I can share with you. I will give you enough to bring you to the information where you can now ask the right questions and yeah. then make the right decision and make it a Socratic process to like get you there. And then, you know, we all kind of nod like we know, but it's, it's difficult to, have that capability, right? A lot of people mm -hmm. are just like, oh, I, I know all this stuff. I want to share it, you know, or like <laughs> I, I don't know enough and they kind of get stuck in in analysis paralysis with things. It's it's a very careful balance. And you know, did 
how did your background of like did, did schooling did the way you did stuff as a youth did anything kind of inform how you approach that stuff that's an interesting question I think a part of it is probably just my general Midwestern try to please people if you have to be aggressive be passive about it type of an upbringing um, you know I'm I have to admit I'm a more of a people pleaser than anything else I don't necessarily like conflict so I will do I will go out of my way to try and ease the waters before they even get rough type of thing and that's been recognized in some interesting ways in my in my career where I've I've been set off sometimes explicitly sometimes implicitly to do things that others would just be bull in a china shop and cause more problems yeah um you know, I don't, I don't know that there's anything other than that really is um, that that's really led to that. I, I guess my first step into the IT field was as a web developer, and that is a complete and total no-win situation. It's like being a, a UN negotiator; like you're <laughs> never going to get everybody happy. But if everybody's equally upset, then you probably have gotten to the right place. And there's been multiple times since I moved away from that, that I've watched it from the outside of, okay, we're going to redesign the website and everybody has great goals and they're going to do it in two months. Two years later, they're still talking. They're still debating. They're still trying to decide, you know, should we, should we have this hierarchical structure this way or that way, or should we do it more horizontally or more vertically? And just, I don't want to be a part of those conversations anymore because <laughs> they're, they're all stylistic. They're all, you know, there's, there's no accounting for taste type debates that at some point somebody has to make a decision and go forward. Otherwise you go nowhere. Yeah. The, uh, the phrase I always use, I, and I, a, a fellow I worked with, uh, he says a, a camel by committee is, is a horse, right? Yep. If you, and that's what ends up happening, especially with like website taxonomy is just the most bizarre thing. you like, should it, it be is. like products and then features or like features and then products? Should it be, you know, like what's on the bottom? What's on the, like there's, and there's science behind a lot of it, obviously. Mm -hmm. And this, we've gotten to be able to do AB testing, but for the most part, it's a lot of just like, it's like wing it. I'm like, let's just try yeah. it. And there's, there's nothing worse than when you go. And I remembered I went to a, a company website and I was like, this is fantastic. I sent it to my CMO. I'm like, we need to do this. Check this out. It was this beautiful story that played out as you scrolled down and the sections came in and it, mm -hmm. it did this amazing thing. She's like, yes. Well, the next day we went to show it to our web developer and it was fundamentally different. It was gone. And it was yeah. like just a very flat, static sort of looking structure. And I was like, why, why did they change it? And I'm like, <laughs> maybe it was just, maybe I'm not the target customer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a tough, I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's just kind of my nature to, to go back to the original question. It's, I, I understand, I try to understand people and that helps. And if I don't know somebody, when I have to start interacting with them, I'm walking on eggshells to try and figure out what motivates them, what, what are their real specialties? You know, I don't, it's kind of the, the booth babe phenomenon that, that we all see at the conferences is you don't walk in there and just assume male technical, female marketing. You just don't make those assumptions. You go in there and, and it sucks as, as somebody that's conscious about this to go in there and it's like, okay, 
I need to talk about this, this, and this. And I'm not sure if you're the right person or if I need to talk to somebody else. You sometimes just have to be explicit about the fact that I need to have this level of conversation point me to the right person. Right. Because I don't want to start going in 10,000 feet deep with somebody that's eventually 10 minutes later going to say, yeah, I have no idea what you just said. Let me go talk to you. Have you. Okay. Well, I just wasted both of our 10 minutes there. Yeah. Well, and that, this is the interesting thing, I think, about the fundamental shift now in what those interactions are going to be like, because with no in-person events for the coming period, yeah. however long it's going to be, and I, we have two problems. One, just straight up, the, the interactions are going to be different, right? In mm -hmm. learning how to do this digitally, which is not the same. You can't just take, you certainly can't make a four day event, four days online because people yep. will tap out after two and a half hours. They'll be like, I'm done. Yep. And then on top of that, this, the sales effect, you know, it's a, our sales teams at every company around the world better be really well studied on prospecting and and what it takes to engage with people because it's all gone like that that playbook is like an etch-a-sketch yep. now just like shake it out kid because we are and what's really crappy is everybody's like right now going like we're good we did it like people are still making their quarter and of course because yeah. the yeah. pipeline that led to that was actually from September last year. <laughs> yep. It was reInvent. It was Microsoft Ignite. It was VMworld 2019. Those yeah. are the leads that you are now converting to opportunities and then into you know customers. So I got bad news. This is <laughs> this is gonna suck in four months, and yeah. it's gonna really suck in eleven months. Yeah, yeah, and it's. And, and even all of the A-B testing that you mentioned before that has had been going on, all of the stuff that we tried at that webinar in December, it's gone now because it no longer applies to the current situation. And so you've got to start all over again, knowing that in 12 months, 18 months, we go back to some, some other new level keel. I, don't, I hate the phrase new normal. We go back to some other level keel and all of a sudden now the playbook has to change again and all of the a b testing you did before that goes out the window and you have to start all over again so it's it is really disruptive for marketing and sales right now um and our sales leadership as we were going through q1 results we're like remember this was this was the hard work you put in in q4 and q3 that got us to these results yeah keep that in mind as we go forward because you're gonna have to bust hard now to maintain your q3 book of business and whatnot so yeah it's it's interesting watching watching this end of the industry going through this right now because it's 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 a great time for innovation it's a great time to think about new ways of doing things and you know i'm really fascinated to see how the digital event matures over this next 18 months because there's going to be a lot of things to try they've all sucked up to this point in my opinion <laughs> and if someone's going to come up with something that's actually going to work for an online event to keep people engaged and provide that level of interactivity that we're used to at an in-person event, it's going to happen in the next year. It's never going to happen. Yeah, that's the, that's the interesting thing. Now, then here's the other, the unfortunate phrase, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull you into my hell when I have to share this with people. 
we're technologists, right? We, we love technology. We love the empathy that we can have with understanding what it takes to sit in those seats. So we get into technical marketing because we become good at that because we can tell the story and, and understand because we know the audience. We are the audience. And we love as a community of people that have made their way from the chair to the white paper creator of, yeah, I do this because I'm still that person in the chair. But the truth is we're in sales. Yeah. We may not carry a number or a bag as they say. I was, I think you could tell a real, someone who's been in the system for too long. They're like, yeah, I'm carrying a bag for whatever. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just so horrifying when you say it that way. But when, you know, and again, I've got a massive respect for sales folks. I don't want the quota. I don't, no matter how much I could make that I've helped to influence deals and to influence customers. I'm like, man, it would be great to get that. But I do not want the responsibility. However, I do know that I have a responsibility. And ultimately, mm -hmm. everything I do in some way is to make sure that sales teams can, can do it. And it, look, it happens in the company. When I was in the chair, I was in sales to the CIO because I wanted to bring a thing in that I thought would be good and he didn't believe it. Like, well, I've got to justify it. I'm selling to my CIO, which is how mm -hmm. I got stuff in and it worked. But a lot of people don't like that, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's in sales. I, I use that phrase a lot because if we're not on the front line doing the sale, taking the customer to lunch, giving them quotes, negotiating with them, we're on the back end helping them with the materials they need. So you know, part of my job now is competitive. And so when we had kickoff at the beginning of the year before, you know, we couldn't do that anymore. I got up there and I said, okay, Here's, here's a list of six different things that I can put together for you. Right now, I'm one person. I can't do all these. Tell me what's most important to you. And in what format do you need it? Do you need it customer facing? Do you need it just for your own information? Do you need it for our partners? And because I'm here to service you because you are the front line. Just like, you know, the guys on MASH were there to support the people that were at the front line. Not to be on the front line. They're there to help the people that are on the front line. In, in a slightly more extreme version of things. But um, yeah, and, and even, you know, we've been, we've been doing a lot of sales training over um, this year. And part of what we've been coaching the sales team on is find your champion. Who's the person who's gonna go to bat for you inside the company? And that person now becomes an extension of the sales team. You, you know, now my sales team is taking the stuff I'm creating on the back end, handing it to that person to then take to the CIO to do that sale that you just talked about. And so now everybody's in sales, even, even the customer, even you, if you really feel passionate about it, about a technology you want to bring in, you know how it's going to affect your organization. You know, it's going to be good. Work with that sales team as a partner at that point and make sure that you're, you're an extension of that and that they're enabling you to do the things to, to make that sale. Um, and, and that can go a long way as, as an individual sitting in the seat to making an improvement to your own business. And then another, cause I'm going to make you say, touch on the dark topics, Brian. You're like, Oh God, this, is, <laughs> this wasn't in the plan. Bring it on. Community and influencers are a, an extension of the marketing team. Yes. In most cases, most cases there, there are exceptions there. And 
it's, it's kind of a, a dual-edged sword there because most of them do live in the marketing organization. Some of them don't consider themselves marketers. And, you know, when I was, I, I was in charge of influencer marketing at, at my previous job at Simplivity. And I, I hated it because the manipulation of people I considered friends. You know, yeah. I'd, I had to bring in people and say, hey, you got you to gotta think this is cool and I want you to write about it. And I got to do what I can to make you want to write about it so that, you know, you're engaged with it. And I hated that because it was, you know, it was manipulation of, of relationships that I had at some level. Um, so I was open about it. You know, again, I'm, I'm open because if I have to do something I'm uncomfortable with, I'm going to tell you I'm uncomfortable with the thing that I'm doing so that you understand I'm not doing it for my own benefit at some level. Um, but you know, that, that whole experience on the other side of that table, having been an influencer in the past, um, was really eye opening. And again, now I'm really dangerous if I go back to being the influencer side of things because I know how to <laughs> manipulate it. I know exactly what I have to do at a minimum to be included. And, you know, I would never do that because I think that's a despicable way to do it. If you're going to be an influencer in a program, be influential, be, be in it because you have passion for it, that you care about it. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I love the earned content though. You know, to have, to, to sit down with somebody, get them to see your perspective, why you're doing what you're doing, what the effects can be. And for them to say, wow, that's cool. I'm going to be excited about that. I'm going to do things with that now. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a couple people that, that did that and it was super energizing for me because they'd be like, yeah, give me access to your APIs and I want to go to town on those and, and do things with them. Um, was, was, was the fulfilling part about that. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, <laughs> there's, there's dark seedy areas in there too, that, that people, you know, again, you're not talking about the, necessarily the average admin in those situations. Um, but people with blogs, people that want to have blogs, you know, you and I both coach people that are like, man, I would love to have a blog. I'd love to, to have a better visibility in the community. Cool. Let's talk about why you're doing it. That's right, yeah. Why are you doing it? Yeah. Start with, uh, start with why, as Simon Sinek says, and, and it's true because you, you can sense, unfortunately, there's this, you know, some folks, they don't see the, the effort and their, maybe their choice of what they believe the outcome is, is different, you know, and I, for the most part, it's, it's a, it's a small group of people that you're like, yeah, I, I don't think that I'm going to be very helpful to you. Just like I just basically work my way out of it. Like, hey, you know, good luck with it. Like if you need any help for, you know, see someone to edit your content, I can take a look at it. But, you know, just give a thumbs up, like go for it, you know, just yep. do what you need to do. Like, because you don't want to, you just know that, you know, maybe they're, you know, they've got different requirements, you know. And the tough part too is that looking at my company as an example, where we had a large blogger program and it was like advertising all over the place and that was that was a thing for a long time right yeah. and all of a sudden it we had to wind that down and the numbers were pretty impressive right like mm -hmm. that of what it costs to operate a program like that and it not the good kind of impressive <laughs> the impressive <laughs> is in you'll get the cfo to go wait what you know and as time changed and blogging was less the de facto way that our champions would seek out information. And you realize that the people that were the bloggers were now working for competitors 
because mm -hmm. they, like you and, and I, changed what we did. And we were still blogging. So you're like, oh, well, they can't write about us anymore. So now they're just going for the free t-shirt and the free uh, Raspberry Pi. <laughs> and so yep. I made a choice to, to, to consciously wind down the program. You know, partly because I was told you, you need to wind down the program. <laughs> but I said, give me a while. I need to carry, I need to carry it the way that I respect that we have to wind it down. And yeah. it meant that my company rightfully and respectfully stood by people that, you know, had our logo on their website for a long time. And, you know, we overpaid for when we won. We like their eyes just like cut the cord. And yeah. it's like, no, no, we gotta, we gotta land this baby. You know, this is yeah. not, you're not just going to shove them out at, at 15,000 feet. Like we need to, Let's bring them down together because I said in the end, like you said before, we talked about analysts and bloggers are really effectively the same thing. They're, you know, they're the not amateur. I don't mean that in the like not professional, but effectively they are, they're like a really amazing cyclist versus an Olympic cyclist. Yeah. It's not their job, but they're particularly good at it and they get a lot of respect in their community for it. Yeah. And so I like the phrase citizen analyst. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of just doing it because they enjoy doing it. Exactly. They're a fantastic voice and a fantastic, you know, person to bounce their ideas off of. Like you said, when you show them something and they go, oh, yeah, that's really cool. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Whew. All right. It worked. Right. Like, hey. you know, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And then, you know, incentivize them where you can versus the thing of like automatically just like I'm going to pay somebody, you know, and and. You know, I, admittedly, I've, I'm a little bit more jaded having had to see the inner workings of it. Like yep. you, you know, you talked about, it's like, when I go back on the other side, now I'm the worst when someone comes to me and they're like, Hey, I want you to advertise on your blog or on the podcast. I'm like, all right, here's the deal. It's going to be this much money. You have to commit to a year. I scare them out of ever wanting to go near it because I don't yeah. want to deal with the monthly, hey, we've got a press release coming out, and because you're a sponsored blogger, and you know yep. you you should be writing about this stuff. I, the more I got asked, the less I was influenced to do it. Yeah. And in fact, the more I resisted, which is why you know to date I still have a couple of sponsors on my blog, and they ask nothing of me, and I do way more than yeah. I would if they asked me because the moment that they ask, I'll be like, that's all good. It's been great working together. And then the little ad comes off the site. And I've yeah. lost a couple over time just because of that. It's, that's natural. No. And it, I mean, you, you write about them because you're passionate about them, which makes the content better for them in the end. And that was the thing I always found is, you know, I don't really want to push people, but I want to enable them. And if they get excited, have them know that they've got that, that opportunity to, to engage more, to go deeper. And, you know, that's, that's where the best content would come out of in those situations. Yeah. The, the thing of when I, when I start, started looking at setting up the a program again, like a more formal program. And I said, what, I went to my community of peers and I said, what would you like to see as part of like a, a, a community and, and blogger engagement program? And it immediately just made me wince because <clears throat> the first ones were like, oh, make sure no Bluetooth speakers. I've already got too many of those. Uh, oh, and if you, with the t-shirts, don't use those Gildan ones because they're like really rough. They like, yeah. and I'm like, 
Wow. <laughs> yep. Straight wow. to the goodies. <laughs> and, uh, and thus, there is no blogger engagement program at my company because I, I, I know and I respect that they got to ask the same. So I'm like, how, you know, it's, it's a funny thing. Like you said, we're on both sides of it now. So, you know, yeah. I, 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 I respect both sides. And for that reason, I, I won't go ahead. Yeah. But before we roll, before we take, we close up, Brian, how do folks find the cloud bites? Uh, yeah. the, so this is a cool thing. Uh, I was lucky enough to actually be a guest as part of a couple of the shows. Uh, and what was really cool again, I, I tell folks, number one, go, we'll have a link in the, uh, in the show notes here. Uh, so go get signed up, subscribe, uh, because it's also helpful to do some kind of metric measurement by the by metric measurement in podcast is horrifyingly bad. It's really, really (laughs) hard to do. Um, uh, please do rate it as well, which is important because both the individual episodes and the overall podcast, uh, it is very helpful to get folks like the great people that Brian has on and, and to get, you know, all the work that you've done needs to be recognized. And as listeners, we can do that with literally just tapping the button and yeah. uh, it's, it's cool. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on, on that, it's, it's about just giving people an opportunity to know it exists is for me, a lot of, a lot of what I just asked for. If, if you don't like it, that's cool. It's not for everybody. Not everything is for everybody, but you know, share it, share around and, and the ratings help a lot with that. Um, so yeah, we've, um, well, our website is cloudbytes.cloud. Uh, a little, a little redundant there, but the other day I realized it's cloud bytes cloud, which I thought was kind of entertaining on its own. Um, and <laughs> out there, what you'll consuming. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, what you'll find out there is, um, our plan is to release kind of Netflix style seasons. So, um, it's not going to be all of them at once, all 22 of the episodes for season one. Um, what it's probably going to be is a third, a third, a third, um, usually, probably within a month's time frame. So probably close. like Tiger King style. It's like the Tiger yeah, King bit. of podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, by the time people listen to this, it very well could have all of them out there. Um, and then we'll have the feed um, doing weekly drops. So every Tuesday, I think we're going to drop on the next episode in there. So um, what I found was a lot of people asking, asking around a lot of people, I got 50, 50. Yeah. I would love to just binge listen to them. If you're going to have all 22 produced, ready to go, let's give them, give them all to me. I want to binge through all of them. And the other half of the people wanted weekly releases. Otherwise it's just too overwhelming and they, they would rather it stream to them slowly. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess we can do both. Um, I like it. Yeah. So the feed will be a weekly, a weekly feed. Um, you know, by the time this gets out, there'll be some catch up to do, but hopefully not too much. Um, and yeah, everything is out there. Um, we're taking out the sound bites that we like the best out of there to play off the cloud bites. Um, and, you know, kind of tagging the, the timestamps for those on the website. So each episode will have its own page. Um, we'll be doing some, I like this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've got a team now. I can legit say I have a team um, as they're furiously working while I'm talking to you. Um, so that, you know, we'll, we'll be using little, little quotes out there on, on social media. If you see something you like, it'll link you back to the page. You can see exactly where that timestamp is. If you want to go straight to that and just listen to that one little bit, that's cool. Go listen to that one little bit. And at that point, I hope you'll want to listen to the whole thing um, to, to hear the context and whatnot. So yeah, we'll, uh, 
we'll have a little bit of information about each of the, the panelists, kind of how to, how to get a hold of them. Um, we've got a Twitter account set up, uh, the Cloud Bytes, B-Y-T-E-S, because, um, you know, play on words. Yeah, exactly, because uh, we're nerds and we love wordplay. Yes. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <clears throat> Um, so yeah, that's, that's out there. Um, and, and we'll be feeding stuff through that as well. Um, me personally, I'm B Knutson, no, no underscores or hyphens or anything funny there. So just first initial last name. Um, if you can figure out how to spell my last name, that's great. If not, go to the site <laughs> you can like find it. I'll, uh, there'll be a live link in the, in the <laughs> notes for folks that, yeah, it's always funny. Even when you get names, like it, you never know. Uh, you know, and I remember the first time I saw your name, I was like, uh, Hey man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had good, quick question for you. Like you just like, yeah, you know, cause you never, you never know. And, and it's yeah. funny having worked with uh, my, my comical thing. I worked in, in a country, a company that was based in Montreal and we had somebody who's named Guy, uh, G U Y. So, uh, yeah. and I also worked with a fellow who was from England. His name was Guy. So yep. literally, it's exactly the same spelling. One was guy, one was gee. You get either of them wrong, doesn't yeah. go well. It doesn't end well. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so when I saw it, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Is it a silent K? Is it, you never know. You never know. So. Yeah, I, I just say pronounce every single consonant and you, you should be good to go because nice. <laughs> I've heard it every way. So I don't get offended any, any which way. And I rarely correct people at this point unless they ask. <laughs> Yeah, I know that's that's exactly it. Uh, well, the one thing that does need to be corrected is the uh, quality, the what we just had, and this is really cool. Yeah. I, and we explored a lot of Appreciate stuff, it. and and that's why I uh, I always get a chance, you know, enjoy the chance to talk with you, uh, share what what you know. You really bring a lot to the way you approach things, and and like I said, whether you know it or not, you've influenced me in in pretty solid ways. Uh, just by kind of looking at, at how you approach things <clears throat> and a very, you know, respectful, mindful, empathetic, smart. And also, you know, that sometimes this stuff just has to get done. Yeah. And, and that's, <laughs> and it's a, it's a tough balance to, to meet those things together. Uh, and I tell you what, what did need to get done was to get your voice on a podcast. So, so people get out there and listen, subscribe smash the like button, whatever the thing is that you're <laughs> supposed to say for, for podcasts. Um, so obviously there'll be an iTunes link, uh, yep. Spotify, et cetera. Where, where do you actually host the thing? I'm, I, that's like a bit nerdy to go into the back end, but. Yeah, uh, we're using Podbean to host it. Ah, then, nice. Shout out to Podbean. Those people should pay me money because I, I, I recommend them to a lot of folks, but uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So far, so far, so good. We'll see what happens when the fan actually starts up and what actually hits it so yeah everything <laughs> everything right now looks like it's gonna gonna actually launch today so nice look at that fresh fresh uh if i didn't have uh, this I'll, I'll move this one out a little faster than normal just because i i really do want to make sure that folks get on there but the good thing is you'll hopefully get a second wave of folks that catch on and uh and as i've learned to podcast listeners they begin with the subscription and then they forget to listen to every episode sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so the, the series style is cool because then they can go and they can tap in. They can see who's on. They can see what the conversation is. And now I'm the, I'm the learned listener. When I look, I subscribe to like five podcasts and I go through each episode. I'm like, do I want to listen to that one? And I actually yep. read the details and it kind of informs whether I want to listen to you. So, but the beauty part is 
everyone is gold that you got you yep. got such great folks that that joined on so all right yeah, with I'm that super happy there Brian Knudsen, an absolute pleasure. Check out Thank the CloudBytes podcast. This episode is sponsored by the CloudBytes podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it is actually not sponsored, uh, but hey, if you do send me a free t-shirt, make sure it's not one of those Gildan ones that rubs my neck. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, there, there was no pay to play here. This is, I legitimately heart all of Brian's work. And this is why I want to make sure people listen in. Thank you, Art. Mm-hmm.